Hi, this is Mike Mazmaher from Snarky Puppy, and you're listening to Jazz's Backstage Pass. And I'm your host, Brian Zimmerman. Mike Maz Maher is a founding member of the Grammy-nominated band Snarky Puppy, a group that, since its beginnings in 2004, has made it its mission to smash genre walls and steer jazz in new directions. In 2016, Maz released the album Idealist on Snarky Puppy's homegrown label, Ground Up Music. It features his new band, also called Maz, and is bursting with influences from jazz to funk to indie rock to pop. It also found him exhibiting a talent few fans knew he had, singing. Maz, who's been writing songs since he was a kid growing up in Milwaukee, doesn't play any trumpet on his new recording. Instead, it's all about his voice, and lyrics too. The songs on the album are all originals, with words and music by Maz himself. We caught up with Maz after his band's performance at the Ground Up Music Festival on Miami Beach in early February. The festival, now in its third year, was created by snarky puppy bassist Michael League. True to the podcast name, the interview took place almost directly behind the festival's main stage, which means you may hear some music in the background. If it sounds familiar, that's good. It's from another of the festival's vocal headliners, David Crosby. Anyway, it's time to bring you backstage with Mike Maz Maher. for joining us uh let's start things off with the easy question which is uh how's the festival going for you so far it's great yeah man it's great yeah this is what can i say what can i say (laughs) third year yeah um i just performed with my own band with maz um it was wonderful great audience beautiful setting the park stage is amazing um just felt warm, you know what I mean? Awesome, man. Literally yeah. and figuratively. Literally and figuratively, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's like 70 degrees here. This is a chilly Miami night. So yes. apologize for the brisk weather, but... Well, it's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and it beats like 12 degrees or whatever it is in, in Brooklyn. Yes. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, which beats negative 11 in Chicago or whatever. <laughs> exactly. And, and one of the things I love about this fest, this is my second year here, Okay. is just the community aspect, right? The kind of like borderless, you see the musicians, the artists, they're out there in the crowd, they're checking out acts, right? Yep. And you're a musically savvy dude, but I wanted to ask, were there artists that this festival turned you on to that you discovered here on site? Let me think. Uh, This year or previous years? This year, well, kind of. I mean, Chris Potter's new group, The Trio. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know Chris, of course, and I know Nate Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And James Francis, I didn't know. He's a very young dude. Yeah, yeah. he's coming up. He's coming up. And I actually met him at Keon Harold's show at the Blue Note. Okay. And he was like, I'm going on a ground up fest. We're going to be there. Yeah, yeah. And then I had never heard him play before, and then he's destroying the world. So, Chris (laughs) Potter, that's kind of a new thing. Okay, yeah, his his new uh, ensemble there. Um, who else? La Perla is from Colombia, but I saw them down in Colombia and Bogota okay. when we were on wow. tour. So that was wow. probably new for a lot of people, though, the percussion and, yeah. and vocal group. Um, and that's really what I love about this fest, man, is, you know, Michael League, you know, who curates it, he, he'll turn people on to all sorts of artists that they right. normally wouldn't intersect with. Definitely. Um, so... 
like I will admit to my great shame that uh, I didn't know about the Wood Brothers till I saw them here last year. You know that I didn't either. Really? Yeah, I had heard about them, and I, I, mean, thought, I know okay, Chris well, Wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew Chris Wood, and and I thought, okay, well, it's Chris Wood's band, but they have such a such a uh, a sound, developed sound. They really have the thing, which Absolutely. I guess makes sense because they're brothers. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tends to happen. You yeah. tend to kind of get in each other's minds in that way. But yeah, that was a, that was a thing, a new thing for me too. And. What a cool show. What it was a great show. Yeah. And I'm sure you yourself, you know, you write in the press materials for your new album um, how it's often, when people hear you, they're surprised to hear that you can sing. Yeah, totally. Did you get that kind of wow factor here where, oh my God, that's the trumpet player from Snarky Puppet and he's, he's singing. Or is that kind of worn off to a certain extent? It's worn off a little okay. bit, actually. It, good. it has, which is good. I'm yeah. glad to. Uh, a friend of, of mine who was here uh, hasn't heard my band and she said to me just about 30 minutes ago I love your set um, was that you singing <laughs> and she said I was in one of the hammocks here in the middle and she yeah. really she wasn't looking at the stage yeah. and said that was my yeah. that was me singing that's all I do in this band right which so. is awesome man. and so yeah. let's walk me back through your history as a singer-songwriter sure you were in snarky puppy for as long as there has been a snarky puppy correct yes playing horn mostly yes which is awesome 2012 was the EP the first EP was first 2012 EP. release. Was that your debut as a singer? That or? was my debut as a singer on recording, maybe. Okay. Except maybe with the North Texas acapella jazz group. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So you were were you studying voice at North Texas? I was not studying officially, okay. but I was developing. I was going out and singing with uh, event bands and singing gotcha. in the acapella jazz group. Um, yeah, and before that, I sang. Uh, around the age of 12, okay. I met a group of friends in grade school um, who were the group of friends that sort of, we all learned how to play music together. Okay. That's kind of the, the, my learning was with this one group of friends. And you grew up where? In Milwaukee, Wisconsin. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we, so it was just after school, you know, we would, we would go after school to a friend's house and he had all these instruments that his older brothers owned, and there would be drums, guitars, yeah. pianos, vocals, and PA system, and, and we would explore very freely. And I, I was studying trumpet in school through the school mm -hmm. bands, mm -hmm. but then I was playing drums there and playing guitar there, and so my, my upbringing was, was, you know. Just surrounded by music. Surrounded by that, and that's when I started singing. Okay. I started singing in bands with that group of I was the guy, I guess, with the best voice. So. I was going to say, were you one of those kids who people told you had a nice voice? Would you yeah. sing? Were you in choir? Would you, would you come from like a musical household? No. Or, no. My oh. grandmother is the only musical person. My Neither of my parents are, are musicians or even close to it. Wow. <laughs> and was jazz always an interest? or did that? No, that around the age of 15. So, yeah. So, I, I started listening to music very early. I had a... A family, my dad's family is very connected to the Motown sound. He's okay. from Chicago, so they're very connected to that, that whole Motown uh, blues and all kind of like yeah. Midwest sort of coming up from Mississippi, sure. whatever. Um, and that, that was just always in my ears. And uh, I forgot your question now. Just your interest in jazz. Right, jazz, or, yeah. jazz was when I was 15, I uh, was in high school and started becoming interested in jazz because my jazz 
band director who went to North Texas and was also a trumpet player um, really inspired me to listen to some some things and it was just it was time I was listening to blues and Almond Brothers and Pink Floyd and stuff that my dad had turned me on to a lot of classic right, rock right and around that time just musical minds people who are really devouring music you you just go in that direction because it's it's a particularly I think Americans because it's it's as deep as you can go in music, I think. Yeah. You know, there's there are other cultures that are equally as deep, but for America, for American music, yeah, this is our highest form of art, I think. You it, know? Yeah, you're right, absolutely, man. So it's the yep. whole spectrum. Yep, 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 yep. I mean, fast forward to 2012 when you dropped the EP, you could hear all of those influences for sure. Yeah. You know, there's the blues thing. Right. There's the Stevie Wonder thing. Let's actually listen to a track. Let's listen to "You're Messing My Mind" from your first EP, Maz. choice people have known you for an instrumentalist for so long right to drop the EP as a singer and songwriter right because it's a it's two levels of vulnerability right the voice is you're so vulnerable putting your yeah. voice out there yeah and then to write original lyrics right um, was it difficult like choice for you were you kind of nervous about doing this you know I'm the type of person I think I'm kind of stupid in a sense you know what I mean like I really <laughs> in a good way, yeah. a good way. Yeah. like it, it, it has served me um, I've always not really thought I've been in the moment. I've always not sort of worried about how something was going to be received. As I get older, I get more that way. Mm. And yes, it, it, it has been, you know, I think people don't really know what to do with it. And also, you know, Snarky Puppy is on such a level. We've, we've had so many years to develop our thing, right. you know? Right. And bands, you know, the Beatles even took 10 years at the, the cave or whatever in Germany mm -hmm. to like just, just develop their thing. You know, art takes time to develop. And, it's kind of interesting for me to be in Snarky Puppy, a thing that is totally fully formed and people see us as a thing and then do my own thing, which is not only something that's not Snarky Puppy, but I'm not playing my instrument that right. I play in Snarky Puppy and I'm doing something different. So there is a sense of I'm developing this thing and people have the expectation that it's going to be already developed because Snarky Puppy is, I think. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. So to a certain degree, like I think that's true with a lot of the guys and anybody who has, I think, people who are parts of bands, doesn't matter if it's, you know, the Beatles as an example, you know, it's Ringo goes out and does his thing, you yeah. know, it's like people are like, ah, oh, he's, I like him with the Beatles, but he's terrible on his own, you know, all right. that kind of well, stuff. Well, you're comparing, right, you're comparing to the other completely different body of work. There's yeah. an expectation, yeah. 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 Now, um, 
the guys in Snarky Puppy, they all knew you, they all knew you could sing. Yeah. Super supportive of the project. And all totally, that. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and a lot of the guys play in the play band. Play on the band. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The new album. Yep. Idealist. Yep. It's awesome. Thank you. And as you mentioned, no trumpet. You play no trumpet. No trumpet yet, right? <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. It, man. No trumpet yet. I, I've, I've, I've finally got to the point. You know, part of the reason for that is I really, truly, honestly did not know. Maybe I have more of a reverence for the tradition of jazz trumpet. Hmm. And I feel like I'm just starting to feel like I might be able to add something to that tradition on the trumpet. And uh, for some reason, not that there's not a tradition in singer-songwriters or tradition of singers, mm -hmm. but in, I mean, I have, I want, I, I've always been a singer. I've always been a songwriter. I right. always want to explore things that I, I, I feel are part of me, mm -hmm. the whole me. Um, but maybe it felt safer to me to go that route than to, than to release a jazz trumpet album. Right. I don't even know, it's 2019. What is jazz trumpet in 2019? I think a lot of guys who are releasing records, the guys, that the, 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 the new artists that are, you know, in jazz as a whole, a lot of jazz musicians I think are trying to figure out what is this art form? What right. is it now? Right. There's so much that you have to incorporate in a sense. As it evolves, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's more you have to pull in, the more you have to include under the umbrella, which, you know, is as it should be. Yeah. Um, how'd you find your way writing lyrics? Were there influences you turned to early on to help kind of yes. guide your way? Um, yes, I like Steely Dan. Okay. I like their vibe. Um, obviously, artists like Bob Dylan and Joni Mitchell. You know, I mean, I, those guys are so heavy and they're so sort of poetry. Right. I was going to ask, like, what in your mind makes for a great lyric? Right. When, when you, you know, hear one... You know, it, it's just like all of this stuff, writing is always about balance, I think, you know? Mm. So it's hard to strip the lyric from the music. Like, hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, with Joni, it's like she can be like poetry. It can, or Leonard Cohen, it's like he is a poet it's, himself, it's you know? quite literally poetry. Yeah, he is yeah, literally yeah. <laughs> poetry. But there's, so, there's not really anything going on in the music. Right, sure. So as soon as you have melodies that are interweaving and you have other things, then you have to start to think about the balance of everything in a different way. Hmm. And my music is never going to be like a poetic thing because I'm not a poetic lyricist and I'm also not a musician that, um, that uh, I mean, I have a lot, I, I want to and I do have a lot of musical ideas going on, a lot of melodic, hmm. harmonic, just because of my jazz background and all exactly, that. You know, yeah. Just, yeah. There's a lot of musical fodder, yeah. you know. I don't know, man. There were some beautiful, beautiful lyrics on this new album. Thank you. Um, and I'm thinking of some of the lines from that tune, Replica. Yeah. Where you talk about the window in your palm. Right, out right. Of which you could see everything. You know, yeah. it's a song about kind of the digitization of the world and this totally. like relentless stream of information. Right. Let's actually listen to a bit. This is Replica from Maz's 2016 album, Idealist. There's a window in my palm Through it I can see everything And I swear there's nothing wrong If 
time a few months ago I just got fed up I turned my phone to a dumb phone right ironically I had to download an app to do it um, <laughs> but I just it and it gives you four apps like phone te uh, text maps and something else and that's all I had for like a month yeah. and it was so I don't know it was like revelatory it was like I was opening my eyes again after it felt really really good it's yeah. all back now I, I deleted the app and I yeah my email and you know Gmail notifications all the time, but what yeah. about you? What's your? I, I think it's exactly the same as everybody else's. <laughs> I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to yeah. figure it out. And in that song, Replica's not, I always sing it and I, and I always kind of want to put a disclaimer on the front of it that it's not, it's just me sort of thinking out loud about hmm. it. It's okay. not, I'm not condemning the internet and I'm not, I'm not um, praising it. It's just, right. this is what I, like if I was sitting in my bed thinking about all of the ways that it's changed the world. Yeah. You know, um, my relationship to social media is I try to make it natural and I try to sort of under, I try, I'm, I'm trying to do the same thing that I do with that with my, as I am with my art. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, um, I had a teacher in school, an English teacher who said form is function, you know, mm -hmm. and I really, really believe that and I agree with that. Um, there was a book by a guy named Neil Postman. That was actually that my, this same English teacher gave to me, and this book is about this guy is basically railing against TV, against television, okay. and how the medium of television has changed everything in our society. From one particular example, I remember was political debates, the presidential debates. Mm -hmm. He's he goes on this tirade about how presidential debates used to be day long, um, you know, extemporaneous displays, you know, in, in Abraham Lincoln's time, right, people right. would sit and listen to him talk Four about hours. issues, yeah. Yeah. really, really get in there. And, and then as soon as TV hits, you've got commercial breaks, you know, and so form, the form of the medium is the function. Mm -hmm. And I think it's exactly the same with social media. And people say, well, you have to learn how to use it. And I think that's totally true. Some people are going to yeah. learn how to use it in an artistic way. And it's going to, there will be beautiful expressions through it and there'll be terrible expressions through it. You know. Yeah, and and like you say, um, one of the lines is kind of about the mental gymnastics your brain has to do. As in a news feed, you're you know accosted by like pictures of a, your neighbor's dog mm -hmm. and like a post about mass genocide. You know, right. it's like that is constantly looping through your brain. Right, um, and and you just scroll sport. by both of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. In one right. swipe. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's it's, it's it's maybe maybe. You know, 
insane, you know what I mean? It is a little insane, but you know, the lyrics explored it and they explored it well. And so, you know, what I liked about the album, as chill as it is, as hip as it is, is you weren't afraid to, you know, kind of get into the social political, right? right. Um, and I don't think you've ever been afraid of that, you know what I mean? And I guess not. Yeah. Finding that out. Yeah. And um, there's that tune, it's Bombs Into Wine, mm -hmm. right? Which is a beautiful tune. Again, a kind of commentary on the violence, the ubiquitous violence that we're always surrounded by. Mm -hmm. And kind of this request that, you know, we try to seek out brotherhood, yeah. um, you know, through faith. part of your life yeah I was okay. raised Catholic okay yeah and um, but it's you know a super light kind of faith I, I went to a Jesuit all-boys high school okay so just imagine that for oh, a yeah. second yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Jesuits ha their focus is on education so they really focus on trying to open people's minds so although it's a Jesuit order and it's a Catholic school they're not they're going to encourage you to think critically mm -hmm. and not to shy away from thinking critically even in um in your faith and I, i'm not a I'm, i don't go to church anymore mm -hmm. i'm basically an agnostic i guess you would call me an agnostic now and um yeah i think it's important for anybody no matter what their faith is to for all of us right you know it's, right. it's not like i'm gonna sit here and preach but i believe it's a fundamental there's something fundamentally important about human beings using their brain in that way. Yeah. No matter what. Toward a higher end. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and thinking, challenging ourselves to not think in habitual cycles, you know, right. and to think in boxes and all that. And, and, and to see, you know, to see each other, you know, bombs into wine um, is about really it's kind of I was thinking about the Crusades to a certain degree. Mm. I was thinking about the connection between religious ideas and seeing other groups of people as other right so you have jihadism right you, know, you have and you have the the reaction to jihadism you know right you have, right you know what i mean and and and, and the, the crusades and you know whatever it's just like happens over and over again in history and so to a certain degree i think religious thinking can go in that direction and that's what i'm talking about in that song is that when people start to think in that way by thinking of groups of people as other and also by accepting things without challenging them the right. idea of faith is tricky because how much faith are you going to have you know how far are you going to um follow your faith blindly blindly yeah. is it yeah. are you going to go to war right because of a religious belief you know right. that kind of thing so yeah it was a beautiful song it was profoundly insightful i take it this was not the song that you wrote in katz's deli 
No, that was <laughs> <laughs> that was Dream Away. Okay, that was Dream Away. Nice. And in songwriting, I found in 2015 when I was writing the songs for Idealist, yeah. I went on a writer's retreat to Vermont. Okay, I took six days to be by myself in a house. Wow, and I wrote nothing. Really? Absolutely nothing. You were trying, though. I, I mean, was trying. Were, yeah, that was yeah, the yeah. whole the point. was on the paper. Yep. Yeah. The whole point wow. of the retreat was to go out and to be away from things and to let my mind whatever. And it was just a mistake because I, I recognized that writing is work and you should do it in an office or in a library or on a plane, the same place we do all of our work. Right. And I went to Katz's Deli to finish the lyrics to Dream Away because I needed to finish the lyrics. And I knew that I could get a giant pastrami on rye sandwich. Of course. I ate half of it at the beginning of the day. I had three orange sun-kissed sodas over the course of the day while I was finishing the lyrics. And then I ate the other half <laughs> after. Is the recipe. It is apparently the recipe song. for success for that song. <laughs> Dream away, abstracting further out of sight of the day, sailing through your mind, sailing That was my question. It was either going to be, you're a guy who the mute for whom the muse will hit anywhere, even sure. at Katz's Deli, yeah. or alternatively, you're the guy who sits down to work, you know, and it's a craft, and right. you sit down to work, and you your butt is in the chair, yeah. and you know, it's through the process that yeah. you eventually land upon a song, and it's the latter, right? Is is more your creative process? It's sitting down to work. Yeah. 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 Although that has become a, a thing that I've recognized can be just as codified, mm. you know? So we're like, okay, I'm going to sit down and, you know, it's like, it's like the writer retreat, you know, if right, I go right. on retreat, then I'll write something, yeah. but that's not necessarily true. Really as a writer, I think what one needs to find is the, whatever your process is, the yeah. ability to, to inspire creativity. And the thing about creativity is that it, it you have to constantly do different things, I think. Hmm. Well, hey man, I know you're all about mixing up your process, but word on the street is there's a pizza place on South Beach that imports Katz's pastrami to put on their pizza. <laughs> I don't are know. You, are, did you just make that up? No, no, this is real. If you're in the mood, I don't know how you feel about that. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if pastrami I Pastrami on pizza. But maybe it's amazing. I mean, they're, if they're bringing, if they're taking the, they're making the effort to actually bring Katz's down, yes. then maybe it's good. I, I, I sort of believe in it. Right on, yeah. Thanks a lot. Cool. Appreciate Thanks, that. Brian. Yeah, man.
All right, and that is our show for today. Another big thanks to Mike Maz Maher for chatting with us. And much appreciation, of course, to Michael League and the Ground Up Music Festival for making this event possible. Today's show is brought to you in part by Smoke Sessions Records, who in the spring will be releasing a new album from legendary vocalist Mary Stallings. It's called Songs Were Made to Sing, and it's due out May 17th. On it, the incomparable vocalist has crafted an exquisite collection of classic songs to reflect on a life well and passionately lived. For more info on this and all other Smoke Sessions releases, visit the label's website at smokesessionsrecords.com. We'd also like to thank Deezer, an online music streaming service that offers over 53 million tracks and over 100 million playlists. Deezer lets you discover artists you'll love with personalized recommendations from the Deezer editors. It's available in more than 180 countries and has over 14 million users and counting. We regularly post our playlist to this platform. To hear them, visit Deezer.com and search Jazzes. Another thank you to the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark. Coming up for them on April 6th, a performance by bassist and living legend Reggie Workman. One of the most technically astute bassists in jazz, Workman is known for his timeless work in both John Coltrane's quartet and Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. Buy tickets at njpac.org. That's njpac.org. Another huge thanks to Blue Note Records. This year, the iconic label is celebrating its 80th anniversary with a host of special events and limited edition releases. That includes vinyl catalog reissues, the Blue Note Review box set subscription series, a documentary film, live events, branded apparel, art prints of classic Blue Note imagery, streaming initiatives, and so much more. Just one example, the watch company G-Shock and Blue Note are teaming up for the release of a Blue Note branded G-Steel watch. It looks very sharp, I must say, and you can learn more about it by visiting our website or bluenote.com. And we'd also like to thank Mac Avenue Records, the label that's been putting listeners on the road to great music for 20 years now. Their most recent release is by guitarist Julian Lage. It's called Love Hurts, and it was released February 22nd. It features Lage performing music written by a range of audacious and original artists, from Roy Orbison to Ornette Coleman, Jimmy Jufrey to Peter Ivers. Check it out at macavenue.com to learn more. And finally, we'd like to thank the Adrian Arch Center for the Performing Arts right here in Miami. Coming up for them as part of the Jazz Roots series, Sergio Mendes with From Brazil With Love. The three-time Grammy award-winning producer, composer, keyboardist, and vocalist returns to the Arch Center for a great evening of bossa nova and samba. That's taking place April 12th at 8 p.m. Tickets available at archtcenter.org. The theme song for Jazz's Backstage Pass comes from Emmett Cohen, It's the tune Folk Song from his album Master's Legacy Series, Volume 1, featuring Jimmy Cobb. That'll do it for today's episode, everyone. If you like the podcast, you're going to love our magazine. Jazz Is is now offering print and digital subscriptions through our website. Go to jazzis.com, that's J-A-Z-Z-I-Z.com, to become a member. Oh, and that pizza place, by the way, with the pastrami? 
It's Harry's Pizzeria. They have several locations in the Miami area. If you're ever in town, check them out. All right, everyone. Thanks a lot for listening. See you next time. Bye. Thank you.